Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. All right, everybody together, downward dog. Yeah, we're going to talk about yoga for dogs. It's called, what's it called? Doga, doga, something like that. Well, I'll, I'll learn about it when we talk with the, the instructor of a yoga class, and it's free, actually two classes, free, free. I like that, don't I? I do. Uh, and he will give us all the details. But first, Dr. Brian Holub is the chief, nice to talk to chiefs, medical officer at VetCorps, a longtime friend and a fellow board member of the Every Cat Health Foundation, also on the Scientific Advisory Board. You and I, we attended uh, a symposium back in 2019. And in that symposium on feline infectious peritonitis, that sounds bad, doesn't it, friends? It was really, really bad. I mean, considered fatal forever, as long as this disease in cats was known about and changed at that symposium in 2019 from fatal to treatable. We more recently attended a symposium uh, where, all right, we know that it's treatable. What about the treatments? What have we learned? Do they work? Don't they work? So let me go back several steps. Let's talk, Dr. Holub, first about what FIP, or feline infectious peritonitis, is. Yeah, great, exciting advancements in this area, of which still many practicing veterinarians may not yet be familiar with the fact that we can cure up to 90% of our cases that are cases of severe disease in kittens, older cats as well, but mostly kittens, and may not know of the opportunity that is available to actually completely cure them. But uh, the disease, FIP, FIP is a virus. It's actually a coronavirus, very different than the coronavirus that's causing COVID-19. That's a respiratory virus. This is a gastrointestinal virus that is species-specific for cats, cannot Uh, be transmitted to humans. There's no issue between humans and cats. It is just a cat disease. And this virus, um, by the way its biology works, um, can become a very virulent, deadly version that we call FIP. And that version comes in two forms, but the most important concept is that version of the disease called FIP causes severe vasculitis and inflammation in the cat, usually leading to large fluid buildups in their belly and their chest. Looks like they have a beer belly. Horrible. And occasionally a dry version as well. We don't need to go into the lesser commonly diagnosed versions. Um, And is until these these discoveries not so many years ago was considered 100% fatal, and sadly, even in current veterinary textbooks. I don't know of one yet that clearly documents that this is a curable disease. So most of the textbooks still say a 100% fatal disease. They simply haven't caught up yet. Yet. Yet, but they will. Uh, and, And I want to explain that if there are veterinary professionals, and I'm sure there are listening, uh, this is not like mushrooms. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're good, but there's unknowns, right? This has now been 
over and over again. Everything we're talking about, peer-reviewed. The American Association of Feline Practitioners has written, hasn't come out yet, but it will, very, very soon, a document about all of what we're talking about. Uh, so this is not conjecture. It's not... So the, the problem, though, is the drug that turns out to be available for this, which was funded by the Every Cat Health Foundation, Dr. Niels Peterson, now a professor emeritus at the University of California, Davis, came to this or this nonprofit organization that does nothing except to fund cat health studies and says, I've got another one for you. And he had this idea about a pro-drug. Explain. Right. So he was given the opportunity to test um, a library of possible treatments for this disease. That library of treatments was out there for human beings, um, Gilead Sciences. They wanted to have alternative new treatments to cure all kinds of diseases like Ebola virus and SARS and all the other things that are emerging. And uh, Dr. Peterson had connections and was able to choose from their library a few of these agents and miraculously hit the head of that nail right on the head and found a cure. Um, So he took one of their drugs, big numbered name, Mm because remember it's not released to the public yet, GS441524, and studied it in cats and miraculously took cats that were considered 100% destined to die within a week or two, Mm -hmm. and they all lived. Six out of six lived. There have been multiple, multiple studies since those original studies six years ago. And we know that about 90% of cats that get this treatment will have a complete cure. And their peer-reviewed, published studies, numbers of them in our veterinary journals. Um, and we have great, exciting news for the future. Other drugs are coming in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, so, but and there's a problem. Remdesivir. There's a, but hold on here. There's a problem because we only have a couple minutes left. Here. Yeah, problem but, with the one that we love so much, and that is it is not available commercially. So the only way to get is through the black market. And many veterinarians are nervous in using a drug that they cannot obtain legally through FDA-approved channels. And so might be pet parents. Um, and wonderfully at this conference that we just came from mm-hmm. in Florida, it was clearly – Um, uh, explained that it is ethical and reasonable for veterinarians to do everything short of physically injecting the medicine into the cat um, to get this treatment and use it. And there's a great organization, FIP Warriors, and on Facebook, FIP Warriors 5.0, that if a owner reaches out to this organization, usually in less than 24 hours, They'll have the medicine in their hand, and their veterinarian can help them understand how to administer it without actually administering it themselves ethically, responsibly, and reasonably. And they can guide you through a treatment that will cure your cat. And do additional care as well. So if that little kitten needs fluids, 
needs what blood testing, which exactly. is a good thing to yep. do during yep. the treatment. All yep. of that ethically and reasonably can be given. Perfect. Dr. Brian Holub. For more information about everything we're talking about, there's the American Association of Feline Practitioners when they do come out, which is soon, with the information that goes into more, more, more detail. But for now, everycat.org, you can learn more, and there's no charge for that. Everycat.org. Dr. Holub, thank you so much. You're welcome. Gary Alexander is a certified yoga instructor. You can find him at yogagarychicago.com. And this is exciting news for dogs, too, because, Gary, you offer yoga for dogs? That's right. Downward-facing dog is not just for people anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think downward-facing dog is something a dog can do with no problem. But how how about all those other things? How do they cross their legs and do... So what happens? So you take your dog to a yoga class... First of all, you have two coming up, and we'll tell people when these two are, and they're free. Are they outdoors? Uh, Yes, they are. All right. So you take your dog, weather permitting, to these yoga classes, and then you participate and do yoga? Or do you expect your dog to follow the yoga instructions? And how does that happen? So... Uh, there are stretches and things that your dog can help you do, uh, certain yoga postures that the dog can actually help you do. Uh, and there are things that you can help your dog do, uh, certain stretches to help elongate their spine, certain gentle twists that are really good for the dog. Uh, uh, it's also a really nice way to spend uh, 45 minutes or an hour with your pooch. Uh, the, uh, I actually started this about, uh, oh gosh, it's been uh, eight or nine years, I think, a studio where I was teaching asked me to, uh, knew I was a huge dog lover, and they said, would you be interested in teaching a dog yoga class? And at first, I have to admit, <laughs> I was a little bit uh, leery, and I, I take yoga very seriously. I obviously teach yoga to people. Uh, and then I started to do a little research, and I realized that Part of the reason that we practice yoga is to cultivate a sense of connection and openness and flexibility within ourselves, uh, but that we do that so that we can better connect uh, and be open to and flexible with the world around us. Uh, And so incorporating a dog, a creature that we are as connected to as any creature, uh, seemed to be a sort of outward manifestation of what we try to accomplish in yoga. Uh, So... It's a really wonderful way to spend some time with your dog. It's, uh, and, and one of the things I have to, you know, I know people are often very leery of it, uh, but one of the uh, things that I find every time I teach one of these classes is that, you know, at the beginning, the dogs are running around and sniffing and barking and doing all the things that dogs do. And every single time when I teach a class, uh, by the end of the class during Shavasana, corpse pose, uh, what did you just dog, say? Uh, um, during corpse pose, at the end of a yoga class, you end sort of lying down still in corpse pose. Okay. Uh, I don't know the lingo, so I, okay. I apologize. And the dogs are uh, completely relaxed. Uh, they are just sitting or lying next to their owners, uh, and uh, they part of 
uh, yoga, of course, and breath work is very important. Uh, and dogs pick up uh, as they sense our breath sort of calming down and becoming more regular. Uh, and uh, they really pick up on that. So it's, uh, and clearly, so it helps. it's clearly a yoga class for people as well as for dogs. But you said at yes. the very beginning that dogs can help a person do something, uh, say a yoga pose. How does sure. that uh, I, well, You say sure. I can't envision. How does that happen? So uh, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, there's a, a pose called boat pose uh, where you sit on the floor and you uh, raise your legs and you uh, sort of balance on the base of your spine uh, to uh, create sort of a V shape. Uh, it's a challenging pose. It's very much a core workout. It's good for the hip flexors and so forth. Uh, so you can do dog in a boat <laughs> or dog under a boat. Um, Having the dog sitting, a smaller dog obviously can sit on your on your belly or your hips, uh, and it makes it a little more challenging for you to hold boat pose. Uh, having the dog, a larger dog, can be underneath your legs, so you ha- you can't cheat. You have to really lift the legs up. Uh-huh. So that's one example. Um, there are certain uh, twists uh, that the dog, if you if you sort of Gently place your hand on the dog's shoulders. Uh, it's a nice uh, sort of anchor for you to take a twist in your spine. Uh, you can also do uh, one of my favorites is uh, uh, Warrior One, which a lot of people will know. Uh, a, a challenge for people is that in Warrior One, they often let their front knee. Uh, Warrior One is is the uh, front leg is bent at about a 90-degree angle. Ouch. And and having the dog uh, just to the inside of your knee helps to make sure that your knee stays directly forward. So it can actually help with your alignment. All right. So I'm curious now, where are these yoga classes for people and dogs called, isn't there a name for it called Dogya or Doga or something? Doga, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what it's often called, Doga. And uh, where are these going to be held, and when, and what time, and all of that? Sure. Uh, so there are two coming up in September. Uh, there's one on Sunday, September 11th. It's at the Roscoe Village Farmers Market, uh, which is located at uh, Roscoe. I'm sorry, at Belmont and Walcott. Uh, it's behind the Yon Elementary School, uh, and that's going to be at 10 o'clock. There will be two. Uh, sort of demonstrations, 10 to 10.25 and 10.30 to, to uh, uh, 11. Uh, and uh, then the second one is uh, actually sponsored by uh, Fitness Formula Gyms and uh, the Friends of Washington Square Park, uh, Washington Square Park. And that will be at on September 15th, uh, Thursday, September 15th at 6 p.m. And you have to bring with you a yoga mat and a plastic bag, or <laughs> it's good to bring a leash. Uh, uh, you can bring some treats. Uh, yes, I suppose always any dog person should always have a plastic bag. Uh, and uh, you can bring a mat. You can bring a beach towel. Uh, uh, the ones at Washington Square Park also have some uh, uh, 
they we have some gym uh, yoga mats there. So, do you have to register uh, for this in advance? No, you can just show up. I like that. And more information yeah. on your website, and that is yogagarychicago.com. That's correct. All right. Well, Yoga Gary Chicago, it is great to meet you. And I love this notion. And what you said, if I were to take one nugget, one sentence out of everything you said, I do believe, I mean, there's all sorts of data to demonstrate the healthful benefits of yoga to people. And if yeah. that is true, and I believe it is, in fact, it's pretty clear that it is, then it must be for dogs as well. So, uh, and I do believe, I mean, dogs do sense our emotions. And as you relax doing yoga, then I would assume your dog does too. So thank you for offering this. I think it's great. Again, it's yogagarychicago.com. Thank you so much. I like to bring you new research when I can. And the study comes from Study Finds. They are researchers. And they learn that despite the faltering economy, whatever is happening with the economy, that two-thirds of Americans claim they will spare no expense when it comes to their best pals with four legs. Of 2,000 dog owners surveyed, four out of every five say they intend to continue to pamper their dogs as much as possible. Three-quarters of respondents consider their dog a member of the family, which is interesting because other surveys suggest that number should be over 90%. 79%, according to this survey, want to give their pups everything they need to feel loved. 80% say it's important for them that their furry friend looks clean and well-kept, which is probably why more than half of all dog owners take their pup to a salon at least five times a year. By comparison, 42% of respondents visit their own barbers or hairstylists less often. Dog parents also love peppering their four-legged companions with treats and cuddles and long walks or new toys. 73% agree that pampering their dogs is one of the best ways to demonstrate love. A similar number pamper their dog more than they ever thought they would or could. That's 72%. 30% of dog owners even own a pet stroller. Uh, taking presumably the small dogs or maybe older dogs longer distances. This poll confirms that just over half of all respondents regularly run errands with their dogs. Sometimes those trips are far longer as 35% have taken dog-friendly vacations, which we've talked about, traveling with their dog. Two out of every five seek out restaurants with pet-friendly patios or cafes. In Chicago, in the suburbs, there are now hundreds of such places. Another way dog owners show their pups love is by celebrating their birthdays. What percent do you think of people celebrate their dog's birthday? The number is near 60%, 57%. How do you do that? Well, 56% say, a new toy. 52% say, let's have a party. Or maybe a trip to hang out with their best friend at maybe the dog beach or a dog park taking their dog somewhere the dog enjoys, and that is 49%. You can learn more about this survey and much more on my website, and that's stevedale.tv. We'll be back next week, bright and early, right here on WGN.